You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. I'm going to just be honest and tell on myself really quick. Um, Me and Ashley, not that we got into a big fight, right? But we got into a fight this week because last week we talked about fighting fair. So I just knew that was going to happen, right? That we talk about it, it's going to happen. And I did what I told you not to do. So I told you not to bring your pastor into it, right? I brought myself into the fight by calling myself the pastor, right? I said, so Ashley, I don't know if you remember what your pastor said last week. And man, that was it, right? Don't do that. So I just wanted to test that theory and it doesn't work. So do not bring your pastor into the fight. Please do not do that. Now, I want to pivot just for a minute. We are going to continue on in this series. But, man, I've been just encouraged this week because we had our last uh, Wednesday night Bible study um, this past Wednesday. And to me, it was just something special because we really got to talk about what we're doing in life. Like, what on earth are we living for? That's what we talked about. And I've had three people message me after that week and say, hey, man, I was encouraged after Wednesday night to share, to share my story or to share the gospel or to do something. And that's why we do life together. We do these small groups together so that people are encouraged to go and live for the kingdom. And we've been talking about how we're, we're really in a, we're in a battle and we're, we're on God's team as His children. And because of that, man, we are fighting for the kingdom, and we have to realize that we're in a fight. And that's not what this message is about, but I just want to encourage you with that this morning, that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are no longer a citizen of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God, and I want to encourage you to fight for that kingdom. Man, there's nothing worth fighting for more than the gospel of Jesus. Amen? So as we continue on in this series, just a quick recap. In week one, we looked at how we're going to commit to protect and pursue. We're going to protect our priorities with God as number one, our spouse as number two. We're going to commit to pursue our number two. We're going we're to pursue after our spouse. We can never stop pursuing them. We have to have that type of mindset and attitude and lifestyle to pursue our spouse. And then Pastor Andrew, week two, talked about communication. And how there's certain conversations that you have to have in marriage. And sometimes you don't want to have them. How many of you have conversations sometimes that you don't want to have with your spouse? You can be honest. Thank you. Man, that happens to me on a daily basis. And it's usually because I forgot to do something. And I'm like, man, I'm going to have to tell her. And I'm thinking of all these excuses and none of them are good enough. And she's just going to see right through it, right? So, man, these, these conversations, communication is important. And then last week we talked about fighting fair and how... Man, healthy couples fight for a resolution and unhealthy couples fight for victory. Right? And, and we're wired as humans to win, but we have to get to a place in our relationship and our marriage to where we can say, hey, we're arguing, we're having conflict for resolution. We want to solve this issue. We don't want to win the battle of that fight or conflict or issue or whatever it may be. And this week we're going to talk about what it looks like to really be united as one. I'm going to warn you, we're going to read a passage of Scripture this morning that could be a trigger for some people. So I'm just I'm throwing that out there right now, uh, and hopefully 
you're anticipating this scripture and like, hey, I wonder what that's going to be. And we're going to get there. But man, I want to talk about commitment and what it looks like. What does it really look like to commit? And this generation that we live in, commitment is one of the biggest struggles that we face. And there's a lot of reasons. And I usually answer that, that question, why is it so hard to commit? And to me, the answer is because it's just easier to give up than to fight through the issues, right? But there's a reason for that. And I just want to list a couple. I was, I was doing some research this week. And man, one of the reasons that it's, it's so hard to commit is because there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of choices in this generation. Just think about going out to dinner, right? And if you have kids, you know this is a big deal, right? Because one kid wants one thing, one kid wants another thing, and there's always somebody that says, I don't care. I'm just hungry, right? And that's usually me. It's like, hey, I don't care. I like to eat. You can see that I like to eat. Just let's go somewhere. And when I was growing up, if we ever said, I don't care, then my dad would say, okay, so we're going to the vending machine. That's where we're going to eat lunch. And man, as I got older, I realized that wouldn't have been so bad. These vending machines are pretty good. But I have one kid. I'm not going to say names. If you know my kids, you can figure it out. But I have one kid who she does not struggle with committing to going to eat somewhere. So I make a decision. Hey, I'm, we're going to go eat. We're going to go to Sonic. Let's just throw Sonic out. And she says, I don't want Sonic. I don't care if you want Sonic or not. That's where we're going. And my mindset is by the time we get there, this little girl will know what she wants to eat from Sonic. So we get in the drive-thru, three cars back, whatever. Hey, what's everybody want? They tell me, hey, what do you want? I don't want anything. I don't want Sonic. Okay, cool. We get to the drive-thru speaker. Hey, are you sure you don't want anything? I want nothing from here. I told you I didn't want Sonic. And she will legit, everybody else will get an amazing meal from Sonic because they're pretty good. Chili cheese coney, chili cheese tater tots. Everything's got chili and cheese on it because it's just that good and unhealthy. We will get home and she will eat a sandwich because she commits to the fact that she doesn't want that, right? She doesn't want Sonic and she's not going to eat it. And, and, and that's easy for some people and for other people it's really hard to commit like that because there's just so many choices. The media makes it hard to commit because they're telling us one thing when we really know that we should be doing something else. Right? And that's this whole, the battle of the kingdom thing, right? There's a kingdom of the world that is at war with you as a Christ follower. Telling you how you should choose things, how you should live life, and when applied to marriage, how you should be a husband or a wife. And it's really hard to commit. And I found these two quotes, and I just want to read them really quick. Peter Drucker said this about commitment. Unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but not plans. And then Art Turok said, there's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when circumstances permit. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. Now, I know this to be true in my life. And this is year three of Impact Church. And this is year three of me trying to lose weight. Okay? just going to be honest with you. It works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. But Pastor Andrew, myself, AJ, we, we're trying to really encourage and hold each other accountable for this weight loss thing. And I realized that this was true in my life this week because I sent Andrew a text and said, hey man, so I'm almost 10 pounds down, but it's the weekend. And the weekend is always tough. So I realized that I'm interested in losing weight, 
but I'm not really committed to doing it, right? If I was committed to doing it in the weekend, it wouldn't matter, but there's Sonic up the road with chili and cheese, man, and it's just tough. And I had a Cold Stone gift card, and I was like, there's no way I'm letting this go to waste. I'm not re-gifting it because that's not a Christian thing to do. So I'm using it, and so we're going to Cold Stone, and we're getting, uh, we're getting ice cream, and I always get the peanut, peanut butter cup perfection. If you haven't gotten it, it is perfection. You should get it um, in a milkshake. That's how I do it. I want to read two Bible verses to you really quick. Genesis 2.24 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then Jesus repeated this in Matthew 19. He said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak this morning through your word, that you help us to understand what it means to be united in this marriage relationship. And that we, we begin to, to live in a way in our marriages that honor you. God, that honor one another and that point people to Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what we see here in these verses. That the, these two people, this man, this woman, they get married and they become one flesh. And it's really hard for us to wrap our brain around that because we realize that there's still two of us right? That me and Ashley didn't just like morph into one person. We're still two different people. But when it comes to this biblical, this God-made relationship, we become one united under Him. And I want you to understand the importance of this because, man, if we can get this part about marriage, that we're really united in partnership together, then all these other things that we've talked about will just begin to fall into place. But it's never going to work if we don't understand the fact that, man, it's, it's no longer me against her. It's no longer me doing my own thing, her doing her own thing. What it is, is we are now one united body underneath Jesus. Man, and that's powerful when you think about it. And it's is difficult for us to accept because we're so free, right? We love freedom, and I love freedom. But the truth of the matter is this, that if we want a marriage that honors God, if we want a marriage that honors one another, the only way we can have that is if we truly understand that when we, when we say those, those vows, when we vow to be with one another, when we make that commitment, when we unite Together, we are truly uniting as one person underneath the authority of God. Man, and that's a, it's a special thing. And what I want to do is kind of break that down and what that looks like this morning in two quick points for you. And then I'm going to be done talking. Number one is this. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Now, what is a contract? So a contract is based on mutual distrust if you really want to get down to it i used to have some rental homes and i always had a contract and the reason you do contracts is because you really don't trust the other person and if you did you wouldn't need a contract to start with right so a contract is based off of mutual distrust it's really what are you going to do to mess up and i need something in place to protect me that's what a contract is 
And I'm not saying that contracts are bad. There's times where you need contracts. I would recommend that if you have a rental home that you have a contract. It, it comes in handy. But that's not what a marriage relationship is. A marriage relationship is not a contract. It's not some kind of um, I'm in as far as you're in type relationship because that's what a contract is. A contract says, hey, I'm going to give as much as you give, and that's kind of how this contract works. That's not marriage. Marriage is a covenant, and a covenant is based on mutual commitment, not mutual distrust. See, a covenant says that I'm going to give all of me no matter what you give. And when we think about this covenant relationship, there's no better covenant relationship than what Jesus did for us when He created the new covenant for us. See, in the Old Testament, people would have to sacrifice these, these animals. They would have to sacrifice for their sinful ways. And then Jesus came and said, hey, I'm the perfect sacrifice for you. You no longer have to do that. No matter what you do, I'm giving my all for you. That's what He did for us. He came and showed us what it meant to truly be in a covenant relationship. Man, if you think about it, there's so many people in this world, so many people in our city that don't know Jesus. And He still said, hey, I, I went all the way for you. I gave my all for you, whether you give it back to me or not. That is the kind of relationship that marriage is. And Luke 22, 20, we see this. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. We talked about this last week when we participated in communion together. That Jesus said, hey, this is the new covenant for you. You no longer have to do all this stuff because I have taken care of it. I paid the price. I became what you couldn't do on your own. And no matter what you do, I still love you. Man, and what, what better example could we have than that? Than the Creator of the universe sent His Son Jesus on a rescue mission. And I want you to put yourself in this in this story, because it is for you, for each person sitting in this room. God said, hey, you know what? There's no way that you could ever be restored to me on your own. I'm going to have to do something about it. So he sent Jesus on a rescue mission to rescue you. To rescue you, because he cared about you and loved you that much. And he said, hey, so I'm pouring out my blood for you, and this is the new covenant. This is me giving my all for you. Knowing that there were people that were going to still reject. People that were still going to run away. People that would never come to a saving relationship with Him. He said it's worth it because, guess what? At least one will come. And He's a God who cares about the one. Man, you may be sitting in this room and that's you this morning. You are the one. You're the one that you haven't, you haven't taken that step of faith yet. Man, you've heard it, you've, you've been to church, you know this, you know that, but you've never truly taken the step of faith to put your trust in Jesus, to begin a relationship with Him. And today could be that day for you. Hebrews 9.15 says, Therefore He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal 
inheritance. Listen, his covenant is, hey, if you come to me, if you begin a relationship with me, man, there's a promise for you. And the promise is eternal life in heaven with me. The promise is, man, there's going to be a huge gathering of people, a huge party in heaven, worshiping and praising God. And you're invited to the party. And when you accept that invitation, and when you begin that relationship with Jesus, man, no one can ever snatch that invitation away from you. It's yours because of the work that He's done, because of the new covenant that He's created for you. See, when we get married, we, man, I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding. If you're married, I hope you have at least been to one, right? Um, I've done a lot of weddings, and I told the life group this Wednesday, but I'd rather do a funeral than a wedding. And, man, anytime I say that, people are like, aren't they the same thing? No, they're not the same thing, right? Now, that's what the world wants you to believe, that they're the same thing. But, man, they're not. But I like funerals because I can just preach at funerals. Right? I don't have to, to say a script and nobody's really paying that much attention anyway because they're just sad and they're grieving. And man, I get to offer some encouragement um, through that. At a wedding, everybody's staring like in my direction. And even if they're not looking at me, I still feel like they are looking at me. And I don't like people looking at me like that when the bride is put in like all of her energy for the last six years into this wedding, Right? And man, if I say something wrong, she's never going to forget that. And I'm going to hear about it. I'm going to get a text. I'm going to get an email. Maybe if they give me like a card after the wedding, she's going to write in the card, you screwed up the, the most beautiful day of my life. And I just don't like weddings. But at weddings, they say this, right? They say, man, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. That's, that's what people say at weddings. And that's great. Except I don't think people really mean it. Because they don't understand it. Because there's going to come a time where there's some richer and then there's some poor. And there's going to come a time where there's some really healthy seasons and there's some really sick seasons. And it gets really hard. And that's when a lot of people, and we started this series off with this statistic that 50% of marriages are ending in divorce right now. And I think it's because when it does get hard, then these commitments, these vows that were made at the wedding, that's, they weren't really commitments and vows. They were just words being repeated by someone. And then when it really gets hard, they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. So the world starts offering all these solutions. Hey, you don't have to stay in this because there's a lot of other choices. Hey, your marriage is supposed to be blissful and it's supposed to be bright and it's supposed to be joyous and it's supposed to be happy and you're not supposed to fight. And man, that's not the truth. The truth is we are going to fight and it's not always going to be bright and it's not always going to be blissful, but we still have a God who says, hey, I love you and I'm in the middle of this if you keep your priorities right. But man, so many times we just want to get up, quit, and go find something new, thinking that the newness will solve the problems when the problem was internally with us anyway. So all we're doing is bringing these problems into a new relationship. And I heard a pastor say, hey, if you really want 
the, the grass to be greener, just fertilize your own yard, right? You don't have to go look for it somewhere else. Just fertilize your own yard. Don't go look for some greener grass somewhere because I promise you that the greener grass that you see isn't as green as you think it is. There's a filter on it. Because everything's filtered. I just found out, I'm not a big Instagram guy, uh, but I just found out you can legit put a filter to like block out all the ugly. Like there's a there's like a beautiful filter, I guess. I don't even know what it's called. But I could put this on my face and it would like block out all the imperfections. I did it and it put a whole new face on. So obviously there's a lot of imperfections on my face. But there's this, I mean, everything is filtered. And what we do is we look at our marriage and we see all these behind the scenes of the marriage, right? Because we know what's going on behind the scenes. And then we're looking at all this social media stuff and these families are at the beach taking these really fun family pictures. And I just want, I want to be honest with you this morning that there's no happy families at the beach. There's happy kids at the beach by themselves and there's happy parents at the beach by themselves. When you get them together, there's no more happy. That's not how the beach works. What happens is little, little Tommy's over here eating sand Little Julie's over here taking her bathing suit off because she doesn't know that she's not supposed to. Everything's going crazy. Man, it's time to go. They don't want to go. They got, they got something in their eye. So then you try to wipe it out and you have sand all over the place. It's just crazy. And then before you leave or before the night ends, you get everybody together. Everybody's just crying and yelling and screaming. And you just try to snap a picture as quickly as you can where everybody is smiling. And you post it on social media. And you say, man, look how amazing our family vacation is. And then we're sitting over here like, man, my daughter won't even eat Sonic, right? She's screaming at the top of her lungs because she wanted McDonald's, which is just, that's blasphemous, right? And this family, man, they're on their 15th vacation of the year. And we don't know that they're using pictures from three years ago. And trying to just get everybody to smile in the same picture. But man, what does that do to us? It makes us start to compare our relationship, our marriage, with someone else's. And there's nothing good that can come from that comparison. Because we're not seeing the true behind the scenes of their marriage. And we're seeing all of the behind the scenes of ours. And man, and maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, well... I don't show you the behind the scenes because you wouldn't let me come to church anymore if we showed you the behind the scenes. And I promise you that everybody's welcome here because we're all imperfect people. We're all imperfect people just chasing after a God who is perfect and holy and loves us. And man, we're trying to engage with Him so that our relationships can be strengthened and so that we don't have to compare our marriage with someone else. Because we know that God has us united as one with our spouse. Man, go all in with this. Marriage is not dividing everything in half. And that's something that I teach in premarital counseling, that it, marriage is not a 50-50 relationship. Marriage is a 100-100 relationship. If you're just going to give half of you, then man, you're missing it. You're missing the mark. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing as a spouse. You should give everything that you have and your spouse should be giving everything that they have. But guess what? Even if they don't, 
you're still called to do that. You're still called to give everything you have. Now, what I don't want to do is I don't want to make this too simplistic because I know that there could be people in this room that, man, they've, they've went through a really, really, really traumatic relationship. And some of these things are just really hard for them because of what they've been through. And I don't want to minimize that. I want to, I want to acknowledge that that exists in our world, that there's, there's, been, there's been a lot of hurt. There's been people that have been uh, physically abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused, and it's just hard to, to get past some of that. And I just want you to know this morning that that doesn't have to define who you are today. And it doesn't have to, to, to filter into or to, to enter into your new relationship. And maybe you're sitting there still thinking, yeah, I've tried that, and it's just it's really it's difficult, it's hard. Man, and I, I want to tell you that I would love to, to talk with you. I would love to sit with you and, and just have those conversations with you. Because God has, has given us some ways to, to break those chains. And it's through the power of His Holy Spirit and the way that He works in the middle of these, these pains and these sufferings. And my encouragement to you this morning is to focus on Him and to know that you are now united with your spouse. It's not a contract, it's a covenant. Number two is this. Marriage is about submission, not selfishness. I'm about to read the verse that causes some, some trigger things. Um, Ephesians 5, 22-25 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. So, I want you to hear something this morning. That marriage is not simply a wife submitting to a dictator type husband. That marriage is mutual submission. Because what you have to do is you have to go back and read the rest of chapter 5. And the rest of chapter 5 is telling you this is what the body of Christ looks like. The body of Christ submits to one another as they submit to Christ. So I want you to understand this morning that yes, there is an order that God has set up as the, the man is the, the leader of the house, the spiritual uh, authority of that house, and that, man, it does say, wives, submit to your husbands. But before that, it says, believers, submit to one another. So this is a mutual submission. And I do this in my own marriage. There's some things where I submit to Ashley. And if y'all know her, y'all know that that's a pretty smart move on my part. Right? So there's some things that she, that she does or she says and it's like, alright, I'm going to submit to you because I love you, I trust you, and I'm, I'm going to support you and I'm going to go with that. And there's some things that I say and she submits to me. And that's what we do in a marriage relationship is that we submit to one another. But ultimately what we're doing is we're submitting and honoring God. We're submitting to the Creator of the universe. By saying, hey, you created this marriage. This marriage is to honor you. So what we're going to do is we're going to submit to your authority, to your leadership. And in doing so, we then submit to one another. Because guess what? God is your one. And I just want to point out, and we did, we did a whole series through Ephesians 
But I want to point this out to you that those are the only verses in this passage where Paul talks to the wife. The rest of this passage, he's talking to the husband. He's saying, hey, husband, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be loving your wife as Christ has loved the church. You're supposed to be honoring her. You're supposed to be lifting her up. You're supposed to be encouraging her. He spends two verses for the wife and then the next seven or eight, nine verses talking to the husband. And I want you to understand that, man, he's called you as a husband to godly leadership. He's called you to lead your spouse, to lead your kids, if you have kids, to know who he is. Man, he's not called you to be a dictator in your home. He's called you to be a leader who loves and lives for their wife. And that's your responsibility as a husband. To be a godly leader. To be a leader who honors, who loves, who lives, who encourages, who lifts up their spouse. And I hope that that sinks in to the men in this room right now because that is who you were called to be as a husband. A godly leader. And the only way you can do that is to keep Him as your number one and your wife as your number two and then to pursue her like crazy. And let her know that you love her. Let her know that you're there for her. Don't just protect her. Live for her. And it's not enough to say, you know I would die for you. Because a lot of times they're thinking, well, I kind of wish you would just go ahead and do that because you're aggravating me. Maybe that's just my marriage. I don't know. But man, it's not enough for you to just say, I love you so much I'd die for you. No, man, we have to get to a place where we say, I love you so much that I want to live for you. And I want to protect you, but I want to love you in a way that shows you how valuable you are as a wife, how valuable you are as a mother, how valuable you are as a woman in this world that is against you, this world that hates you because you love Jesus. And they need you to be the godly leader that God has called you to be. I'm going to close this morning. We talked about vision a little bit and how Ashley and I, when we got married, we didn't have a vision really for our marriage because I just, I never heard that, didn't know that was important, didn't even know that was a real thing, to have a vision for your marriage. And then our marriage was, was just not good, right? Just wasn't. So we decided, hey, so we need to get some, we need to get some help, we need to go sit down. We sat down with a pastor, went through some, some counseling, and that's the first thing that he told us, y'all need to get a vision for your marriage, and that's what you need to, to work towards, and we did. I shared that vision with you guys, and the vision is really to have a marriage that honors God, that honors one another, and that points people to Jesus. That's the, that's the vision for our marriage, right? What you have to understand, that when you become united in partnership as one, you can't have two different visions at that point, right? It's got to be one vision on the same page. So man, my question for you is that First of all, do you have a vision for your marriage? And if you do, is it the same vision as your spouse? Because they may have a completely different vision for your marriage, and you can't, as one united person, under the authority 
of God have two separate visions. Because when you do that, then you have division. And division in a marriage is completely apart from what God has called us to do in our relationships. He's called us to unite as one. To have unity in our marriage. So what are you doing? What are you doing to strengthen your marriage? I'm not, I don't, I'm not asking you how you feel about your marriage because here's, here's one of the problems, right? Is that we think that the feelings that we have about marriage is what makes our marriage successful. So if we have these warm and fuzzies, then our marriage is going to be great. And again, I'm, I'm just going to tell myself, maybe this is just me, but I think the warm and fuzzies were gone for me like when I, before I ever got married. Like, they, just, they weren't there as much as they were, right? And it's not because I didn't love her. It's because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do as a, as a husband. Right? I wasn't pursuing. I wasn't protecting those priorities. I wasn't having those conversations with her like I should have been having. And I definitely wasn't fighting fair. And I didn't understand this unity thing, this becoming one thing. And I knew all about it. I grew up in church. I knew the sayings. I knew what the Bible said. But I didn't understand what it meant. And what it means is, man, you really are becoming one person together under God. And if you're living like you're not, then something's wrong with your marriage. And my prayer is that it's strengthened this morning. But man, marriages aren't successful because of feelings. Marriage is successful because of commitment. How committed are you to having a marriage that honors God and that honors your spouse? How committed are you really? And it's more than words, right? Because I think a lot of us would say, man, yeah, that's me. And what we'll find out is that we're interested in that but we only do it when the circumstances make it easy for us to do it. Man, my prayer for us in this room is that we get to a place where we're so committed to having a marriage that honors God that we can't, we can't do anything else but be committed to that. And get a vision for your marriage and strive for that. And there's going to be times where y'all fight. You're going to throw stuff. You don't have to answer, but I'm sure there's some, some throwers in here, right? There's some throwers. Whatever you can find, you're throwing. It's not fair, right? Don't fight like that. I've been hit with some stuff in my life. She's not in here, so I can say whatever I want today. Man, let's... Let's do something that sounds crazy to this world. Let's be so in love and consumed and overwhelmed by the power of God that we live in a way that individually we're honoring God, but as a couple, we're honoring Him. Because people are looking at you People are looking at you because you claim to be a Jesus follower. You say, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And my spouse, they're a Christian. They believe in Jesus. And then people look at your marriage and they say, well, what's going on? 
I thought that y'all believed in Jesus. I thought y'all were following Jesus. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm telling you that we have the most powerful force behind us in the name above all names. The precious name of Jesus. Man, claim that this morning. Claim that. And I would love nothing more than for after this series for so many of you guys to come up and say, man, God strengthened my marriage after that marriage series. And not because of me, not because of anything that I could do on my own, but because of what the Spirit has done in this place week after week after week. Because I believe that if we really want to be the church that He's called us to be, and it starts with healthy couples honoring Him and showing our city, showing our community what it looks like to be in relationship with Him and relationship with one another. And what we can't do, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this next week as we close out this series, what we can't do is we can't just give up. We can't just throw it away. So, Man, this is this is kind of a cheesy example. I'm gonna give it anyway, but if you're if you're driving down the road and your car runs out of gas, right? And you're not gonna give your car away. You're not gonna go get a new car. You're gonna put gas in your car. So if your marriage is is going along and you run out of these feelings that you think that you need to have, man, don't throw it away. Just invest into the relationship. Invest those feelings back in. Fill it back up. There's some people in this room, your, your relationship, your marriage needs to be refueled. You need to fill it up. Man, and you fill it up with the, with the love of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with, with pursuing one another. Don't give up. Don't throw it away. Let today be a day where your marriage is filled up like never before. Let's stand together as we close this morning. We're going to sing as we always do here at the end. And man, this is a time of response for you. If you want to come down front and pray with your spouse, if you want to come and talk to me, maybe for you, you're that person. Man, today's the day for you for salvation. You've never put your trust in, in God before. You've always said the right things. You've always known, but you've never taken that step. And maybe today is the day for you to take that next step of faith. Maybe some of you, you just need to be refilled. And maybe you need to bring your spouse down here and say, man, I want to be refilled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to come to me. You don't even have to come down here. You can do it right where you are. But man, my prayer is that you're going to be obedient during this time of response as we sing, as we worship the King. And my prayer for you is that today would be a day that changes your marriage forever. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.